Welcome to the Fucking Fridays podcast. I'm your host, Sophia Carver. And I'm your co-host, Taylor Carver. Join us as we explore our journey as a couple, navigating through relationship challenges while also evolving individually and as a team. Not only will we be chatting about our relationship, but also hope to entertain you as we navigate through adulthood while trying to keep things spicy. Tune in every Friday and we will be sure to kick off your weekend with a bang. Last episode, Taylor went and chatted about her individual therapy. So this episode, episode four, I'm going to chat about mine. And Taylor did start therapy before me because I feel like I was like, you're the one with these, you know, outbursts. I think you need to go to therapy. Um, And to be honest, I didn't think that I needed to go just because I internalized a bunch of things. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, I remember. It was a battle um, of saying, hey, I think you could benefit from therapy as well. Yeah. You know, again, you don't need therapy just because of trauma. Exactly. And just because I maybe wasn't being as obvious or vocal, I didn't think I needed it. Um, But then after the whole ultimatum thing, like we talked about, that kind of jump start going into therapy. And um, I don't even know why I needed to go. But I remember I went on to psychology.com as well. And I found my therapist. And luckily, I got along with her like from the jump. And when I got on the phone with her, we did like a 10 minute phone assessment. And I just started like bawling. And I had no idea where this came from. And I'm someone that I cry a lot now, but I feel like I didn't really cry that much before I started going to therapy. Svia, Svia's a tough skin kind of gal. Um, I, I, I do remember one of the reasons. Yeah. You know, once you hit like a breaking point of after you turn 25, you start to question where you are in life, who, who you are as a person. And Sophia, you brought it to, uh, to my attention, like that you were having some confidence, uh, self-confidence issues. Yes. And, you know, it was partly our relationship, but you were like, I need to find what my purpose is because right now I don't know what that is. Yeah, I kind of always was that way, even in high school. And this will kind of tie in. I was very tough skin. I, I I didn't really care what people thought that much. I Although I did compare myself to others all the time. I think that's very natural for a teenage girl. But I was a very, for some reason kind of angry and cynical person for a lot of my life. I had a normal upbringing. I'm the oldest of four. I do think I had some control issues because I just, I loved being the oldest of four. And I'd be like, we're playing the games I want to play. We're doing what I want to do. We're going where I want to eat. And my younger cousins and siblings would just be like, yeah, let's just do what Sophia said. So I kind (laughs) of got used to being in control and in charge. But, um, Then when I was in high school, my cousin, um, who was basically like a brother to me, he ended up getting diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma and he passed away on his 16th birthday. And that really hit me really, really hard. He was battling with cancer for two years and I ended up going like to Europe after my senior year. And I don't know. Now looking back, I'm like, I don't know why I went. It was really obvious that he was kind of towards the end. But when I was 18, like I didn't, 
I, I, I truly thought he would just be there by the time I got back. So once I came back, I basically said my goodbyes, missed his funeral and everything because I was all the way like in Greece. And then I went to college like a couple weeks after. And I just remember getting to college and I was just like a very like, what's the point? F the world. Like I lost my best friend. Nothing matters. Like big pharma. This is like where my hate for big pharma came. I was like, big pharma's fake. Like just very, very cynical person. And um I I kind of went got out of that a little bit after I met, you know, my best friend in college. She's like a a big bundle of happiness and she pulled me out for it a little bit. But I think that's where I really started having like a really hard exterior and was just kind of like take no shit don't get too deep on things and stuff which is also why I think I felt insecure at the beginning of our relationship too that's why we call Sophia savage so yeah (laughs) so (laughs) I think I've just kind of kept that for a while and took it into Taylor and I's relationship so then COVID happened and so many awful things were happening during COVID and I would I truly you guys would just get sucked into the rabbit holes on TikTok, like all the George Floyd stuff. And it would just really hurt my heart. And I feel like a lot of people are numb to seeing a lot of things on the news. And as much as I can act numb and hard to a lot of day-to-day stuff, when I was stuck in my house working all day and looking at that stuff, like that's when I would start like crying and I would spiraling. I would spiral. I would just be like, what's the point? COVID's never going to end. Why would we have children? Why would we even get married? Like it was really, really bad. So yeah. I, uh, I remember getting a phone call. This is when I was still going in person for PT and, uh, CTRS. And I was, uh, at a brain injury facility at the time and I get a call and it's not like Sophia to just call me. Um, as she mentioned, like she handles shit on her own. She's very independent. And I was like, Oh my God, something's wrong. And I look and Sophia was like, I feel stuck here. I need you to come home. Like I'm, I'm having a breakdown. And I left work like three hours early. It was like shortly after lunch. Um, and I get there and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, I'm going nuts in here. Like, you know, she was used to going to the office as well, which now we're very thankful we work remote, but looking back during COVID when things were isolated, things were shut down. I get home and she was like, I just watched this man smoke a crack pipe and stare at me through our uh, sliding door. Uh, balcony and she goes you're not here to keep me safe we don't have an animal I just I feel alone right now it's not your fault but I feel alone and that's when you know we really pivoted into like okay I'm doing my therapy Sophia started really like tuning into hers as well Um, and shortly after that we moved anyway just because I was last thing I wanted was for you to feel unsafe and there was a guy just staring at you through our, our balcony who probably knew at that point you were working alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I was spiraling at home, but at the same time, I still, something in me was not like, Oh, therapy is needed. I found my therapist. We hit it off right off the bat. I, I start crying 
right away and just from from that and she was like what's wrong what's wrong and I was just like I don't even know what's wrong I'm having a hard time in my relationship but I I just I just don't know what is going on so um I started going to her to her weekly um which was not cheap <laughs> um but she really would do a lot of inner child work with me um, where she would have me close my eyes, walk into my childhood home and walk up to my younger self sitting on the bed. And basically she would just have me ask myself like, what does Sophia need? What does Sophia love? And after, um, working through stuff like that, I, I really learned that I have a lot of guilt around, my family, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because I am really close with my family and me and my parents and my siblings all have great relationships. Like there's, there's nothing I would say super traumatic that happened, but since I was just feeling in control, plus all the spiraling that I was doing at home I just felt like if I wasn't with my family 24-7 and that I wasn't living with my family or not right up the street, I felt like I was not there for them. And that's something that I still kind of struggle with to this day. And, you know, my family's really close and and my sister moved away and I, I miss her dearly. And, you know, me and Jane will call her my therapist just had me start doing like little things like, Hey, schedule a call with one of each of your siblings and your parents like once a week. Um, this might be to no surprise. I I actually do think that a lot of women feel this way. We also covered a lot of topics about like self-worth and I did talk to her about how ever since, college or maybe even high school, any room that I went into, any classroom, any softball field that I went to since I played softball growing up, any restaurant that I went to, like I did want to be the center of attention, if that makes sense. Or I thought that I was the center of of attention when I really, you know, like I might be sometimes, but that shouldn't be my main goal. And my self-worth was really like, do people notice me? Do people think I'm good looking? Do people think I'm funny? Do people think I'm smart? And I think Taylor can attest to this. If you kind of test me in any way, even if you're just asking me a question like, oh, you haven't done your hair like this before, I automatically get pretty defensive. And I'm like, oh, what? You don't like it? Or what? Is it ugly? So it's interesting coming because obviously I'm very close with your family. Um, and I go to therapy and have a therapist background, what that means is a a lack of attention if you're feeling like you have to be the center of attention or that you are. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that I did not get attention as a child because I I did. I was the first of like eight of us. So, you know, kind of maybe the forgotten one you were, I don't know. I'm, I'm the youngest in my family. So the oldest is the greatest and latest for a long time. And then all of a sudden you're, you're not anymore. Yeah. I will say that once my younger siblings came into play, I had a lot of talks with like, you're the oldest. You need to set an example. You can't be acting that way, even if it was something small. So that's why you were so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
I was not that bad. I also grew up in a household like I say it's strict. It was strict to me after getting to know some of my friends and families upbringings like my parents were strict but they probably weren't that strict but here's the thing it's to everybody's discretion like to me it was really strict like I couldn't go to certain concerts and stuff with my friends I couldn't go out drinking and then of course my younger brothers they got to like have girlfriends sleep over but um I truly would get nervous of my parents not reprimanding me because they never did anything crazy, but like I did not want to disappoint my parents like that. And until this day, I think I still feel this way. Like I'm a 29 year old wife, nervous if my parents see me still like smoking a J, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I've just always, I hold myself to this standard, which is it's impossible to keep up a hundred percent of the time. I was just one of those people that like, I can't make a mistake. I did really great in softball. And then I ended up getting this job in San Diego that I really excelled at really quickly. So I just am used to trying to be the best and getting those results. So whenever I feel not even like I'm doing less, but even if I feel stagnant, it drives, my patience is so bad. You know, this babe yesterday, I asked you to take the trash out and I took it out two minutes later. And then I was like, you're lazy, which is ridiculous. I see that. I I am the most unlazy person yeah and and you know just happened yesterday like it wasn't an argument i was just like hey you called me lazy i am the most non-lazy person that exists but these are still things that i'm learning how to work through and i'm seeing how it affects me you know a lot of people really close to me have told me like it's your tone or it's the way you say things or like even more recently, like some of my friends will be like, oh, I knew not even to try that with you. And it and it does hurt me. So what I've really been trying to work on since I've been going to therapy is being more patient and really trying to get in touch with my soft and my feminine side because all these characteristics that I've had, they're just very masculine and I, I am, I am, I'm sick of being in my masculine energy. I feel like I've been in it for a really long time. It's not a bad thing, but I, uh, again, looking at your family, it's just the way you were, you were brought up. You were held to a very high expectation, certain degree, which isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, there, there is a point of where you're brought up genetically and then your environmental factors. And the truth is you were the oldest of not just your immediate family, but your um, external cousins, your aunts, your uncles, you were literally the oldest and a female. So you did take on a lot of that masculine energy. Um, And it did allow you to excel in work and have a a greater outlook in life. Um, But you know, there, there are things that you've, you've done great at and worked at. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So during the pandemic, I was going in these rabbit holes, the racial injustice that was going on really, really upset me. And the political climate that was going on would just tear me down so much. To me, the way my mind works is I don't know why somebody would not want to help the masses. To me, it just makes sense 
that that's the path that we should take and seeing things on the internet of people thinking the exact opposite, which is totally okay. And I've came a very long way to be more open-minded, but at the time I just could not see past that. I just truly was like, it's me versus them, whichever side it was on. I'm also one of those people that needs to be outside. I go on at least an hour walk every day. I remember going on a walk. Uh, Sophia and I had gone on a walk after dinner and we did not have a dog at the time. We didn't have Java. No. And this uh, person looked at us as if like, why the hell are you walking right now? You don't have an animal to walk. I do. And uh, this lady walked completely around us and crossed traffic to get away from us because we just happened to be approaching her on that same sidewalk. And that's when I put into perspective like, oh shit, like this is an empty world right now. And it felt very, very odd. And it was just, it was upsetting. I was, I couldn't go visit my parents and all that good stuff. And I feel like there were just different political views flying everywhere. And it, it, I I honestly should have just turned my phone off and not paid attention to any of that because it was rough. And again, when it came to the, to the racial injustice thing, I'm one of those people that I don't care what color you are, who you are, she, he, they, alien. Um, <laughs> I, I don't care. I think that everybody needs to be treated with respect and just seeing so much disrespect on my feed. To be honest, it made me be disrespectful. And it was, you know, I just, I, I don't, I couldn't even recognize myself and it was just a mess. So Another topic my therapist and I spoke about was going back to the whole confidence thing. And like I mentioned earlier, I do think all women can relate. Um, Just growing up around the generation that all they cared about was looks and body weight. Um, I had no, I have no choice, but the first thing I did in the morning is get up and see like how thin I look in the mirror or I was really going through a lot of eating. I would call them kind of like it essentially was an eating disorder for two years. When I first got my job and started working in San Diego, I ate nothing all day, but a protein shake. And then I would do a, some sort of walk during the day. And then I would go to like cycle bar or some sort of hot yoga. And then I would go home and have one chicken breast and broccoli. And I did that for probably two straight years. I was really thin. I ended up getting these stomach ulcers. Um, They just told me, oh, it's stress-related. Oh, it's stress-related, which I honestly think it was. And throughout that time, I actually found out that I ended up having PCOS, which is just an imbalance of your hormones. It basically means I have more testosterone and androgen in my body. And the way I was eating was not helping this at all. So after going to Jane, we would kind of dive into that. Where did that come from? You know, that that's not your self-worth, things like that. And um, actually, I got really lucky that my therapist was studying hormones around PCOS and periods and stuff like that. So... Eventually, I decided, you know what, I have to start eating earlier in the day. And for some reason, now I I eat 
no later than 1030 in the morning. I snack during the day and I eat a, a big dinner and my ulcers went away. Um, I used to feel so sick every morning and I think it's just because of the ulcers that I had in my stomach. I almost had to go in for surgery and I said, you know what? I got rid of my PCOS pills. They had me on spirolactone. I got off the birth control. I didn't need it. I wasn't going to get pregnant by Taylor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know what it was. And this was kind of before on Instagram, everybody was like posting about PCOS and stuff like that. But I was just really curious. And again, I had this like anti-pharma mindset when my cousin passed away. So I already felt really weird going on birth control and the spirolactone. And one day I just- Mind you, I'm on birth control to help my hormones. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't work for everybody, but it, it just wasn't right for me. And after I finally started getting off all that stuff, my eating habits got better, which I think put me in a lot clearer mind. Um, on top of not having a lot of patience, imagine me being hangry every day. Yeah, luckily I was still going into work at that time. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do remember in the morning, um, Svia is not a morning person and I used to get really upset about it and now I've just learned to, to joke about it. Um, however, when I would try and quietly get up for work to get ready, I mean, I would see Sophia like look like she was about to vomit. I mean, she was so nauseous in the morning. Um, and there, there was a point where I was really worried about you. Yeah. Um, like I was like, do I even go to work? Like, are you, are you okay? Are you gonna, are you gonna eat today? Are you gonna be able to eat? Um, I thought maybe it was just cause we put a shit ton of hot sauce on all of our food <laughs> and, you know, come to find out that actually was not the case, but I thought that was what the ulcer came from. Ugh. They did give me these meds for the ulcers, but they were like horse pills and they worked. But again, after I was on the birth control, spirolactone, and then the ulcer medication, I was like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. And after seeing Jane, um, I did decide to quit coffee. She kind of helped me with that. She was like, you know, coffee is just not good for your hormones in general. And I was kind of on a spree of like, I'm cutting things out anyway. So I cut that out. It's been almost three years that I have not, I don't drink coffee. Um, on top of the hormone thing, however, I was so anxious about COVID and what was happening in the world that when I drank coffee, I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack. Like I could feel like my, it, it felt like I took Adderall. It was wild. And I was like, this just can't, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So, and that just shows how your body's different than somebody like mine. Oh, yeah. I know I people could drink coffee. I could drink four espresso shots straight to the dome at 7 a.m. And I don't feel anxious. I just feel awake. Yeah. Well, we're, we're working on that. Um. <laughs> no, but I, I get it. I totally get the coffee thing. Trust me. I actually wish I had like something in the morning that was as good as coffee. I you love do. the taste tea. of coffee. I, I do have tea, but... Um, coffee hits different. Yeah. After I stopped the coffee and got off the meds, I will say I, I now, like I mentioned, I'm trying to lean into my softness, not only with my personality, but, um, I don't wake up to alarms anymore. The alarms again, if you guys know about PCOS, your cortisol levels are a huge impact and just waking up to an alarm every single day, a, a loud alarm spikes up your cortisol level, which is basically your stress hormone. That was also why I felt sick in the morning. So I don't have alarms anymore. And I still 
tend to wake up every day around seven or seven thirty. It took a while to train to do that, but that I will has say helped me out a lot. You definitely got me off the uh, alarm train. So I'm complete opposite of Sophia. I love coffee. I love energy. I love being uh, that person that's up extra early in the morning. Uh, there was a time or a point uh, with my most recent career where I was set an alarm for 4.30 a.m. because I wanted to be on by 5 a.m. and have a full cup of coffee in me. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, why are you setting an alarm at 5 a.m. California time? Like <laughs> you can make up for East Coast time later that day. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm doing this. And it, it definitely does cause burnout. Um, obviously, if you have a job or you have to be in at a certain time, like it might be necessary required to have an alarm. But what I was able to do was train my brain. Our bodies, if you allow it, will naturally wake itself up with the sun and will naturally put itself uh, down as the sun sets. And that's something Sophia and I now do as a couple where we do not have alarms. And if you need to set an alarm, there's other things that you could do. Don't put it on the big blaring loud alarm like put it on the soft little chiming one or there are um, alarm clocks that you can buy that will mimic the sun and it'll wake you up with light that is just way better than waking up with an alarm so that really that in the coffee and then cutting all the meds um, plus a lot of hard work that we're going to be getting to in other episodes is why I feel a lot better today I still have confidence issues I still have body image Uh, issues. I still definitely have those days where I'm like, you know, the world's not a good place, but it really is all mindset. And what's kind of crazy is if you kind of put the phone down and you don't pay attention to the negatives, like your neighbors, most of the time, they're all great to you. And it's truly how you treat your neighbors and the people around you. Like I don't ever have people in the, you know, grocery store yelling about politics or yelling about race things, you know, so it's good to just get a break from your social media from time to time. And I try not to like scroll in the bed anymore either, because that's where you can really get in the holes and stuff. And that's kind of my journey with my personal therapy. In our next episode, we will dive into um, our couples therapy. But the point we really wanted to make was, if you want to be good for your partner, you got to start with yourself. And if for some reason you your your partner doesn't want to start couples therapy, it starts with you and you can put the effort in to uh, go to your own therapy first because it will it'll leak into your relationship. Absolutely. And if you're riding solo, um, this is an even better opportunity to really dive into yourself and, and lean on yourself because that's something I wish I had done as an individual uh, is lean into myself as a person, figure things out so I could be an even better person for my partner starting out. Um, and I wasn't able to do that uh, with Sophia because I didn't take care of myself. Yeah. So, but here we are, work in progress. Uh, and fucking Fridays. So, all right, let's go bang. Mm-hmm.